for the trial in the Delta, and my second Emmy has come in the mail. See, I haven't gotten mine yet. Did you you ordered yours? No, not yet. Oh, you better. I gotta get my other. I can hear me. <laughs> um, I uh, I did order mine, and I got the one for Clever Action, and they're in there in my home. And I'm just waiting until I have clothes other than sweatpants on or when I'm running out the door to go somewhere and may, like I showered and got dressed today so that I could take a moment and make a little video of opening them and um, and welcoming them in, into into the house. So you you are in a four Emmy household right now. Yes, I have my two Emmys, and then I am. Uh, Clever Action is currently operating out of my house, and by my <laughs> house, I mean Sandra Delgado, her house. And um, and until we have this big announcement, which will be about a new house, <laughs> I have the Clever Action giggles, Emmys. Giggles, giggles. Um, and then also, um, it's audition season for the Light, our youth artist activist program, paying Chicago youth. Uh, 14 to 20 year olds, $18 an hour to write, rehearse, train, and perform around um, performances and content and conversations that inspire social change. So we'll be auditioning um, February 27th, March 2nd, 5th, and 9th at places like the Gary Comer Youth Center in South Shore and the K. Ryan Center for the Arts in Austin and Shy Arts. What's the official name of Shy Arts? Shy Arts. The Chicago uh, Chicago Academy of Performing f- Arts. No, no, that's the one on Sh- Chicago. Shy Arts, the high school in yeah. the Ukrainian village, <laughs> and the Kimball Arts Center. So, if you or you, uh, if you are or you know of any um, special youth talent that want to share their their vision and their heart for making Chicago a better, more equitable place, have them go to CleverAction.org and sign up to audition for The Light. And if you are one of our um, our frequent listeners, you have heard The Light perform. You've heard um, some of our Light uh, youth perform on this very show. Uh, Sanaya... um, Asalam was here with me one day and um, Martine Rogers Green. So if you want to go check out uh, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast there, we have those shows recorded so you can know what our youth do on a regular basis with us when we are teaching them how to take their naturally given gifts and use them for the greater good. And you can go to our YouTube where we have some 400 videos, smash the subscribe button, and check out a playlist for the youth, a playlist for Collaboration Radio. Mm. This is our 33rd show. 33, 33. Uh, 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 uh. Mm, mm. Magic geometry. <laughs> Action Radio is sponsored. By the Joseph and Bessie Feinberg Foundation and donors and members like you. Yes, you. You can email radio at collaboration.org or go to our website, www.collaboration.org, to learn more. We are also, today's episode of Collaboration Radio is sponsored by AV Chicago, Chicago's leading provider of AV production and event management services, and Ethos Collective. Ethos Event Collective is a purpose-driven destination and event management company that seeks to become a trusted, strategic ally to your business as they 
create authentic experiences that align with your goals, delight your audiences, and generate impactful outcomes. www.ethoseventcollective.com is where you can find them. That's what they do. And, um, and you, too can be a sponsor of Clever Action Radio here on WCPT, broadcasting live to the third largest radio market in the United States. And then after the fact, we're getting like almost 5,000 downloads a month on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, We would love to be your partner and have some ads and sponsorships. Email info at collaboration.org for your 13-week package. Carl and I are amateur Foley artists and we're working towards a Foley career. And this is what I call man walking up the stairs and opening the door. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And scene. I <sighs> snaps all the way around. Oh wow! So he, here's what I want to get into today because Anthony gave you so much, and I and I hate to interrupt, but um, uh, it's our thirty third show. I thought maybe I would finally <laughs> loosen up a little bit. Henry doesn't know how weird he just thinks I'm all dad jokes. But on the other side of that coin is more dad jokes. <laughs> I I have said and I will stand by this that Anthony Mosley is made of forty eight percent corn. Um and uh what, and what else? What else? And 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 the rest ham. Corn and ham. <laughs> That's what you're made of. Yeah, that is pretty. There's a little cheese in there. It, it's the cheese is the mortar of the um, of the between the bricks in the house. Uh, that is my life. And uh, actually, my daughter asked me what art was, and I told her art is a fart that doesn't give an f. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I don't know if any of us would have gotten farther in our day without that that um, wisdom. It was it was our destiny. And I, I, I would apologize other. But but this is like, you know, this is the multiverse we are in, people. Thank you for listening to Clever Action Radio on this beautiful Saturday. <laughs> We're having a little fun. Sorry. Excuse us for being light. <laughs> Having fun, all that laughing and smiling. Okay, let's talk about some unfun things. What's going on in the world of politics, Carla? <laughs> if you are uh, a um, uh, you know a rabid listener to WCPT, we just want this hour to be a little break from the Tucker Carlson Putin interview because I know. It's fascinating, and we're more like the Shay Shay. We're like the Club Shay Shay of WCPT. Carla, will you break down for the white people that don't understand things what happened on Club Shay Shay with Monique? Well, here's the thing. 
Um, black Hollywood is a is a stir. We we it it, it um, Shannon Sharp, uh, who most of you know for his stellar career in football, has now become the the most salacious talk show host in the internet. Um, so Shannon is out here interviewing folks like Cat Williams and Monique, uh, the um, comedians, and they are telling all the business. So she told a lot of business, and you should, if you want to entertain yourself after this hour, not before, not now, but after, take yourselves to YouTube. Why are those eyes looking at me now? You helped? Oh, God. But now it's creepy. Don't move it. Don't move it. It's fine. I'll just deal with it. The creepy. You have to come see, though, how it looks. So, anyway, if you want to entertain yourselves, please go to YouTube. And um, Henry is um, trying to stop some creepiness from happening. Oh, and... um, Here's Henry. If you haven't seen, he's never been on this side of the camera. He, look at him. He's so cute. He covers his mouth when he laughs. I'm the opposite. I just like, look at the food I'm still chewing. But so, anyways, you're saying. So, no, I was just saying go to um, Shannon Sharp's YouTube page if you want to get acquainted with all of the hot gossip and things that have gotten Monique back in trouble with Oprah Winfrey. It's like. This is pandemonium during Black History Month. We um, we are we are all just we're wrapped up in the black drama of Hollywood. So black Hollywood is has run amok. And is it true that Monique and Kat are doing a tour together? I don't know if that. I, I don't saw know. that. I, I saw know. Monique and her and her husband, also known as Daddy. Yes. Um, <laughs> after they. Um, uh, went back after DL. They <laughs> announced that Cat and so who should be other than you, which yes. you are the one, but other than you, who should be the next guest? If you're the producer of Club Shay Shay, who's the next guest on Club Shay? Tyler Perry has to go. Like this is it, it was a challenge. So Monique told um, apparently sent Shannon Sharp an email, a voicemail that got to, um, that got to Tyler Perry and, um, Tyler's not telling the truth. And so Shannon Sharp looked in the camera and was like, Tyler, you should come interview with me so we can hear your side. So that is what I'm looking for. And not only is Shannon Sharp a Hall of Fame football player with like um, just biceps from the heavens, but he is a really great host. He is. He's super smart and super fun to listen to. And if you didn't hear about this, Brandon Marshall, former Bears wide receiver, was asked who was the worst quarterback he ever played with, and he's played with 17 NFL quarterbacks. And do you know who he said the worst one was? Who? Jay Cutler. And yes, because Jay Cutler is the one of the worst people. Sorry, Chicago, if you were a fan. Uh, so let's get to this thing that um, I, I want to talk about because I'm so excited. Uh, very rarely do you get to do work for 14 years with your friends. So, um, actually, about 15 plus years ago, I met this guy, this poet on tour named Oran Kenyatta Marshall. 
And um, he did this poem called um, Tad Brown on the Door of Lunacy. It was like this epic, like, eight-page, like, portrait of his, his life. And after I heard him do it, I was like, can we talk? <laughs> can we talk about uh, me adapting this, this work? Uh, and he was like, yep. So we wrote a play called Tad in Fifth City that was produced in 2010 and um, with Impact Theater. And we've been talking about it a few weeks now. Um, we got a nice little article in American Theater Magazine. So if you're a subscriber, if you get your hands on that, you should go read about Tad in Fifth City. But um, and we got a nice review in the reader, too. Uh, but the show is running now and um, it's been remounted by Impact Theater. Um, and I have asked my writing partner and my dear friend Oran to give us a call and to talk a little bit about his life, his life in Fifth City, why this poetry exist and so we can talk a little bit to get y'all prepared because you all need to come see the show I'm just saying so without further ado I would like to invite my friend calling from Maui who's a hater I'm a hater oh Ron Kenyatta Marshall hello oh Asalaam Aloha <laughs> Aloha Asalaam <laughs> How are good, you? Good to hear your voices. I'm, I'm, I'm well. I'm well. I'm uh, still on cloud nine from the opening of the show on the 28th over there at the Great House. You know, what can I say? Uh, living my best life inside my own mind. That's where it's safe. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you could make it on here with my uh, with my other theater a uh, family collaboration you you and I know you know my impact family very well but welcome to um this side of the uh, this other side of the game here with um collab- on collaboration radio um aloha Rod. great to meet you Anthony Mosley here welcome to to the collaboration side of the coin thank you my brother pleasure to meet you too i can't wait to lay eyes on you i've heard about you likewise likewise and um and you know, I, I, I there's a farm I've been uh, helping out in my in Maui called Hua Mamona on the west side of the island near Lahaina. It's in Lahaina. Uh, I I know the farm. I know the farm. A friend of mine uh, is his name uh, uh, Aloha is one of the brothers. It's, uh, he's been very key since that fire here. That's awesome, brother. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're feeding 3,500. Uh, they're doing 3,500 meals a week out there. And um, and I hosted their their fundraiser last year, and there's and there's and as you know, there's a lot more work to do. Six months now since the fire, there's still five thousand people um, without homes, and so um, we, we, this is just the first time uh, for you and I. Absolutely, brother. Well, the next time you're on this island, I know you're going to have my number. By the time we get off this show, be sure to reach out to me. Uh, let me let me show you around my new home. But uh, I mean, this this Maui Island is a it's a wonderful place. And uh, to that point, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, give this one truth about Lahaina. As I was coming back in from the, the opening of the show on a flight from uh, Las Vegas, I sat next to some folk who were planning out what they were going to do when they got to the island. And there are some things that people are not being told. Right? Um, and it's kind of like uh, think of Jackson, Mississippi, or Flint, Michigan. 
Mm. Uh, that Lahaina is hypertoxic. Mm. Hypertoxic. There's small facts that you just have to consider. Um, uh, Lahaina, in particular, was the leader in solar stuff in all of America. There were more uh, solar batteries out there, more solar cars than anywhere else in one little area like that on the planet. All of that was reduced with uh, with fires that got up to 1,500 degrees and blew on stuff for two hours straight. If you recall the, the footage that you saw of Front Street, where you saw it's a one picture about seven Teslas that stuck on Front Street that burned all the way down to the fray and the batteries are gone. But it's a dangerous place. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to be aware of that. Uh, just don't take my once you get this information, just go look it up. There are some fortunate people in Lahaina who have taken their fortunes and had people come in to do the testing of the soil, the air, and the water, and it's not good, brother. Oh. And sister, it's not good. Mm -hmm. So that's just my duty as an activist to put out there what I know. And that is why you're on today, and that is why I wanted you to be a guest because. Uh, before your life in Maui, you had an amazing journey here in Chicago. Um, I ask everybody this. I'm going to ask you, what is your, what, what's your superhero origin story? What's, what's your Marvel story? How, do, how did you get to where you, where you are and, and the art that you, the artist that you've grown into? Somewhere between my last book, the title of my last book, and the title of my upcoming book. Uh, the last book was Outlasting Denial. The new book is called The Theft of Self. That has been uh, something I've had to contend with uh, as a Chicagoan. Uh, that I, I still I still struggle with it. Um, so so my story is I've never I've always been able. To see uh, light at the end of the tunnel, I've never been uh, uh, desperate. Never, I've never felt desperation, and in so doing, I've never, I've never, uh, I've never bought the narrative of my course. And, and for me, if I had to say I had one success, and that my success has been not having my narrative dictated to me. Tell me about fifth. And that's kind of. City. Um, because so, you know that there are people, mo many Chicagoans don't know the names of neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so let's talk about Fifth let, City. Let me, let me explain Fifth City. So, first of all, there is a uh, uh, there's a paper that was published in 1963 when when that the community known as Fifth City started that you anybody can find it and it will blow your mind it's called the fifth city presupposition someone wrote it in 63 I, I know who someone is but i want i want people to do their own research wrote this in 63 and when you look at it what you're going to look at is the precursor to the black panthers you're going to see it's it's exactly the same program, but it, it wasn't black at all. Fifth City was created as a model, and it was a successful model. If you go and look at the research, because several universities followed the development of it all the way up until 1978, which was when where I placed. Uh, that's the year that uh, Tad and Fifth City takes place, mm -hmm. and that was when that was that was at the, in my mind uh, 
and from, and from my memory, that was the deconstruction of something beautiful. The Fifth City Project was launched in South America, and, it, and, it, and they got the same result that they got on the west side of Chicago, a productive, self-providing self, uh, self, uh, community. They ran the same program, the Fifth City Project. They ran it in a place in Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe got the same results. Uh, the concept of Fifth City should not. It shouldn't be a big struggle because we all know uh, I'm an alumni of, of Second City, the, the comedy place. Uh, the concept of Fifth City is, uh, you know, you got the first world, then you got Second City, then you got Third World, and uh, you know I don't ever deal with Four Corner Hustlers, so I don't deal with the four. But the five <laughs> means that's a joke, Carl. Uh, the five means <laughs> the five. The five is a symbol of rebirth, and I, I'll tell you it's. Uh, there's a place called MediaDump.org. If you go to MediaDump.org and type in Fit City, it's going to blow your mind. Uh, you're going to see some footage where Oprah Winfrey did a news story called the Fit City Iron Man. And that is something that, that is my superhero. It still stands there on the, on the intersection of Jackson and Holman and Fifth Avenue where those streets, uh, where those uh, streets cross each other. And it's uh, probably a 10-foot-tall cast-iron sculpture um, of, a, of, a, of a man standing palms up. And the reason I'm telling you this, there's a lot of correlation. I, unapolog I unapologetically tell, I, I refer to myself as a vice lord. Uh, I'm not concerned with uh, the, what Vice Lord has become in other people's mind or what their narrative on it is, I know what it is. And when you, uh, and, and what it means, it means you have to take control of your own situation. And I'm telling you guys, uh, there's something magical on the planet, just altogether. That's just, that's just the presence of God. But Fifth City is a little bit different. Um, there's this footage of Harold Washington standing in front of this statue up at Fifth City in 1983, right after he had come into office. That would have been my freshman, going in freshman and sophomore year at Lane Tech. And I don't want to get too long and drawn out with it, but during, when Harold Washington came to power, I got a chance to experience segregation. I was when he was running for office. I lived on the west side on by Rockwell Projects, and I had to ride that western bus all the way down to Addison. And every every uh, sad story that we had heard from the civil rights struggle and all of this, we experienced it over the course of uh, that election when uh, Harold was first running against against Jane Byrne and Bernie Epton. Mm -hmm. Also, it made me see the most beautiful thing about Chicago, about the planet. In spite of the chaos, in spite of the separation, I was always protected. There's always enough good people in a community to stop dumb shit. Excuse me, I don't know if I can say that or not. But to, to stop that. And, um, it's, it's the only reason I don't pray uh, for the fall of Chicago. Because there are, uh, there are good people uh, who, who keep it. You know, the, the way that it's meant to be, more of a collective. I don't, I'm not even troubled by the separation. Uh, I like, I don't like to mix all my food up on one plate. But uh, persecution should not be, should not go hand in hand with being separated. Uh, it's a Chicago phenomenon. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't notice it first. Dr. King noticed it first when he came in 66. He said he never saw, he never saw that kind of segregation in Philadelphia, Mississippi. No. Chicago it, is truly the most segregated place in the in the city and, and not only in the that, country. Not only that, he said he had he had not seen the vitriol 
uh, as well of the of the you know, and people don't realize this. There were white men in white tank tops with pitchforks running down the street to harass Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the most profound during that march. We're talking Marquette Park, right? Yep. So there's a there's some footage where I've never seen. I've seen Dr. King shaking but not stirred. Right. Uh, they 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 took him away into this car, and Dr. King is telling. He's like, man, they were they were in trees with guns. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, the pitchforks are right. Dr. King saw men in trees with guns. That's when they put him in the car. Well, and he was hit in the head, in the head with a brick. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we're pretty sure that wasn't Jay Cutler that threw that either. Because <laughs> it wouldn't have hit him. Because it hit him. Um. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that's the thing, you know, about about Chicago. We have this, you know, covert racism. Which, um, you know, is like, I love you, but you can't marry my son. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and collaborations all about dismantling those systems. And I love what you said about you wouldn't let any, you wouldn't let anybody else write your story. Can you talk about how your, your approach to manifesting and, and maybe give us a couple examples? Absolutely. Uh, Carla, I was talking and she brought something that probably the most important thing that uh, my, 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 my people taught me was to not be ashamed of things that you can't control. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that's why people can't tell their story. They want to hold something back. Uh, we, we know uh, uh, scientifically, the research shows uh, men are not likely to tell you about being raped. That's a uh, that that precludes so much healing. So much healing is why I get frustrated uh, with the like mo- most people. Instead of you know uh, uh, remedying a perversion that they can actually remedy, it's right in your house. They'll walk past that and go to R. Kelly trial to 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 get some fulfillment. I, you know, he all he trial. That's so that's working itself out. We have to attack uh, the correct the mistakes in our own life. You know, it's a lot of a lot of different actions. Like there's the speck in your eye or the beam in somebody else's eye. It's it's just something that's haunted us. And that's a that's that's how racism can exist. Racism exists because it gives people an easy out. Hmm. It gives it gives people an easy out. You you got a you got a ready made argument. You got some ready made reasons for why that happened, and you just go with that. So uh, for me, uh, there's a poem I wrote called "Pondering Monsters." Uh, it was a precursor to tab. It was it's what freed me up to speak freely about that. I don't I don't want to discuss that my mama was an alcoholic just naturally, but I know in order to solve that problem, I have to. I don't want to I don't want to talk about my father uh, using heroin. Uh, but if, I, if I'm going to solve a problem, I have to. And uh, for me, uh, the, the writers that influenced me, my, my greatest influence as a poet, just make a lot of black people mad, is Allen Ginsberg. Uh, his courage, uh, I mean, outside of just on paper, but when he put it on paper, he put it on paper at a time much like the one I live in, where censorship was a muck. 
where they were locking folks up for just telling you the truth what happened in their life. So I appreciate the B generation, uh, uh, and, and, and specifically uh, Allen Ginsberg for, you know, exercising the freedom that made me free to be free. Oh, I was going to um, see if it was okay with you uh, to ask you to share um, one of your works um, with us right now. And um, then we can kind of talk about it on the back end, if that's okay. Because, that's fine. Yeah, because oh. I think your, your work oh. says a whole different thing. <laughs> right on. You're probably right. You know I got uh, several personalities. Uh, my name, I was, my husband's name is Civil X. Um, so I'm going to do this piece I'm going to do. I guess this will be a, a great explanation of some of the stuff y'all already answered. I'm glad you let me answer the poetry. This piece is called My History of God. My History of God. Wasting away the light of day right here in the land of Nod. Now do I dare with the healer's care to find my history of God. This ultimate being who was all-knowing and seeing, he would love me whether I was good or bad. I crawled at his feet, humble and meek. God's history started with my dad. Because relative to me, omnipotent was he, my creator, my protector, and my provider. And I too held above and worshiped and loved my mother, Father God's writer. But in the back of my mind was this need to find perfection in the identity of truth. So through close introspect in my youth, I could detect flaws. My God's disproof. Now, my God's had come to be as it was relative to me, very selfish, very weak, and very untrue. My God's practiced sin, and it manifested in failure and all they tried to do. I remember all the mama don'ts, the no he wants. The would be's, the could be's, and the baby I hopes. I remember lightless nights and hunger fright and what we did to cope. I remember God seeking God and God avoiding God. I remember God crying to God and then God lying to God. I even one time saw God in a dope fading eye. I remember God when he left, and I remember God when she died. So for a time, and for me, God was dead and gone. Imagine, if you will, the effects of the spill when a ship called God subsides. You'll be subjugated to the current's relentless torment to your body and the soul inside. But I find land before long as I was beckoned by this song that cried out from whence my God came. Some perfection of truth was planted for my truth, and Grandmama was her name. It's theologically speculative and culturally relative, but I know my Grandmama walked and my Grandmama talked with Jesus. And as he was in she, she was in me. And to my thirst for God, for a while, this pleases. But as my schooling went along, through example and song, I would learn the ins and the outs of existence. I watched forgiveness and love as it could not rise above and active and cultivated resistance. Because in my family, unconditional love was traditionally snubbed when this God sat to sup with her fruit. I watched this all-forgiving she, as it was relative to me, quickly contradict her truth. I remember God frowning at God and subconsciously drowning God, lashing God and bashing God. I remember God when she buried God. I watched God 
fake ass sobs that emotionally robbed me of my right to be. So I jumped from this ship called the Living Dead Crypt, and I let the currents of life guide me to land from Nod, Vice Lord, to land from Nod, Army, to land from Nod, College, to land from Nod, Wife, to land from Nod, Children, to land from Nod. This is my history of God. That's that piece. Snaps. Snaps all around. Wow. I appreciate y'all. If you'd like to call in to talk to Oran or join us here on Clabber Action Radio, you can do that by calling 773-763-WCPT. That's 773-763-9278. And if you just heard in your car or sitting in your sunroom and you just heard that piece of poetry, you know, that, that, that also was God talking to you. And all of us, thank you so much for sharing that. Give us a little, tell us about, about where that one came from. So, um, I tell you, it's one of, uh, I I guess my, my biggest struggle right now is that is, that is my inheritance, that, that awareness of, uh, uh, the godlike, uh, perception of a man in a household is necessary. Um, that, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I can distinct, I distinctly remember it. Every kid, when I was in kindergarten, thought that their dad was the strongest, baddest dude that ever walked the planet. Every one of them. When that was a common thing, and just in a short period of time, I, I went from being that kid, of, I'm a grandfather now. Um, but that's gone. And... You know, it's in the and the reasoning for the, the reasons for his absence. I, I they don't correlate with me. Um, I, I hear I hear like when I, I I get the pushback from it as I try to uh, reinstall that, and I'm not and I'm not I'm not pointing out to social media or things in the world. Uh, I make my assessments from right in my house. Um, I don't like the, the, my worst critics are my are my siblings. Uh, my, 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 my greatest underminers are right in my family. They train me for the world I have to go out into. But uh, for me, that, that I had to make that statement because I saw that that image is, is, is fast disappearing. I, I have a, a, a young lady who came out to the play on opening night, Carla. Uh, her name is, she became a friend of mine because she has my mother's name, Rose Marshall. After she saw the play, she went in. She's a family therapist, and she went back. She had a group of 10 families, 10 black families somewhere on the west side she was working with. And so as an exercise, she gave this archetype. She said, okay, let's talk about what a uh, single black male parent looks like. And all of those black folk in there told her that that was a, a fallacy, that they've never seen it. Never seen it. Oh, <laughs> uh, shocking! I made a, I made a, I made a social media post about it. She sent it to me. I put it up on on Facebook or something. But it's mind blowing. I have another friend who's a professor at Cal State LA. Um, he gave an assignment at the end of last semester where he pre- he teaches research methods, 
uh, he gave this class, uh, he gave them the, this research. And so the researcher told you who they researched. He said, well, we're doing research on uh, single-parent households. Then they show you the 10 households that are in this research. All of them are, by, all of them are headed by females. So he saw it clearly. He asked the class, do you see anything wrong? or anything flawed in the research. They look down at it, they look over it, and this is graduate level uh, research methods class. At the end of the, they about to graduate, right? So they look and they say, no, what? So he says, you don't think that the, that the information should be more varied? This, don't you think they should have found some men? And then they go, oh, yeah. But then that was it. That was it. That's, you know, it, it's like now it's, uh, the things that have traditionally been something to fight for, for me, it's just like now it's just, it just if, if you're lucky, you'll get some shrug shoulders. So my history of God was uh, just an anthem to the world that I know and the way I believe that uh, we're going to be successful in it. And it, it like, or the, 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 at the very least, I can say that this shit worked for me. <laughs> and I don't... I don't know, and that's the thing. That's the requirement of people often give advice on shit they never, they haven't tried yet. It didn't work for them. So it didn't work for them. No. What you gonna tell me to do it? Go ahead. No. So here's the thing. Um, I'm listening to this poem that I've heard because you know we've been working together for a while, and this is what um, I want you to speak to because we've talked about this many times over the years. Um, I was nervous about remounting Tad in Fifth City because I was nervous about this new culture of trauma porn. Uh, This idea that telling um, certain types of black stories um, is too traumatic for the black audience to digest and too traumatic for white audiences to digest. So we need to be careful about what stories we tell as per not to traumatize anyone else. But one of the things you and I bonded over was being these highly functional, um, acceptable black folks in the world that were both raised by alcoholics and people that people that uh, did hard drugs and folks who may or may not have been on one side of the law or another. Um, you know, my cousins were gang affiliated on the on the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, right, right. You know, so we 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 bonded because here we were these people. Who were who had, for all intents and purposes, found the what the Cosby had been searching for, which is respectability. But we still had these stories to tell, and we're being told that we shouldn't tell them because they may traumatize somebody. And before we close today, I just want to hear your thoughts about trauma. Yeah, well, and, and black storytelling. <laughs> Right. Uh, first of all, we got to act like uh, we, we don't know who Quentin Tarantino is. Right? <laughs> That's the, my first thing. Whenever people get uh, get to telling me about the N-word and the, the use of it, um, sister, if I was prepared, if we, if we suffered the accusation of trauma porn for presenting Tad in Fifth City, it would have been the perfect time for me to, to say, oh, so you do admit that Chicago traumatized black people. 
Finally. <laughs> Get that on record. Right, so, uh, absolutely. Admit it. I, I mean, sister, when you, as I have, I, I'm a military veteran. And, you know, I'm an activist and I'm aware of certain things. Are, are you guys aware that the average person in a, a so-called hood in Chicago has got a 93% chance of having PTSD just because of normal day-to-day life? So anybody considered when you got them blue lights, these are things that I observe and I talk about in my poetry. This, the, the old mayor Daly, the one from that died in 76, I think it was, Jay Daly, was it? Yeah. yeah. He, he, he made a, 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 people said it was a Freudian slip, but I said it was a direct order. He, he was in a statement uh, answering some questions. He said, Chicago police are here to maintain this order. And he would come back a week later and correct it. But, sister, uh, I wish they would have called it trauma porn. I wish their accusation would have been lodged because it's the perfect example to say you do admit that this city traumatizes black folks. But it was so far from that. It was. Uh, I was really impressed with the uh, review in American Theater. Uh, first, it, that doesn't happen for me very often where people, she, she was like, this is a lived experience. There's no way around it. And unfortunately, um, uh, I, I've got a, 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 a built-in resistance because we are in an era of revision. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen it before, and I'm not going to help you change history, uh, especially after I took my clothes off and buried myself. Mm. So, yeah, that's... Uh, God, we missed it. we missed an opportunity with the trauma porn accusation card. It was a real opportunity there. The real opportunity today. I was waiting for it. So, last thing before you go, do you have one more in you? Uh, sure. You got any? Sure, I got one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna do black water for you. Okay. That's okay, Carl. That's perfect. Okay, and, and we did talk about um, Blackwater. Blackwater, just uh, real quick, Blackwater Missionary Baptist Church was a church that my grandfather brought from Mississippi in 1919, brought it to Chicago. And right around the time that um, uh, Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement started, uh, that, that first Mayor Daly, most people don't know, black preachers uh, protested Dr. King coming. Yep. To Chicago. Yep. Dr. Dr. King was brought to Chicago by the Catholics and the Jews. Black people opposed him. My grandfather was one that did not. Uh, and his church was closed down for it. It was called Blackwater Missionary Baptist Church. Here's the piece. When the precept of infinity meets the essence of all and none, there's the birth child of antiquity from whence we all have come. Blackwater. But the sons and daughters of strong black water scream loud from the pews. Then they line up for slaughter, always saying and always praying. But when black rain comes, they'll all be playing, asking, what is black water? The essence of all and none. Fools think black water can take you high. So they line up and they beg for some. But black water transcends the perception of men. It's as cold as nitro surpassing suncore singe. And what should be known to the sons and the daughters is the element of fire that dwells in black water. That fiendishly feeds on stones and men, not even smoke escapes. It too burns within. The essence of all nothing, strong black water that flourishes and revokes his own sons and daughters, because the black water were to come and to sit and to sup. 
Fools caught it play with Shirley say, remove from me this bitter cup. I one time said it to my father. He sipped coffee all day long. When we sat to sup, I snuck a sip from his cup and I said, Daddy, your black water too strong. But he got new life from drinking black water in a cup. And so did my mother, and we too sat to sup. Her water was cold with an effervescent trickle, and as we sipped and reposed, my nose would be tickled. She found rebirth in her black water brew. Royal Crown and Crown Royal are combinations of the two, because she thought she knew black water can take me high. My glorified grandmama, she absconded from the puff, but she mixed dried black powder with proud black spit and spat black water in the cup. She liked to dip snuff, because, too, she thought she knew black water's going to take me high. Bubbling black water drove my uncle insane. He boiled his water in a spoon. And then he shot it up in his veins because, too, he thought he knew black water's going to take me high. Everybody pointed fingers, but they couldn't see what was really wrong because everybody was distracted by the sun. Peace and be still and see the obnoxious ambience of the sun on your psyche where deceitful rays dance through airborne haze and fools think that it might be God. It's so beautiful, it might be God. It's so bright, it might be God. It's damn near white. It might be God, but this is obnoxious. A dim and dying sun as a God is preposterous. You must peace and be still and see this morning star. Cast down bearer of light. An inferior inferno who knows not rest or night, but this outcast will mask his suffering with seven dimensions of light. Look at my rainbow. Ain't it pretty? The earth should reject its rainbows with rotations at the night because the earth keeps turning while the sun keeps burning because the sun is yearning to be free like man, like earth, like me, like like M.E. The sun wants to be free like like me, like M.E., like mysterious ether, like me, like like M.E., like mountains elevated, like me, like like M.E., like mohills exploding, like like me, like a melanated elixir that moves from your mouth to your ear. Peace and be still that you might hear the silent screams of the solaric simpleton calling you to stare at him. Look at my rainbow. Ain't it pretty? Peace and be still and see the sun in black water. That's that piece. Thank you. Wow. You guys are welcome. And uh, right now, tours have stopped and they're gathered around my car. I'm a hook. <laughs> I'm sitting in the library parking lot down by Cam. Why are you guys? Are you guys? Uh, yeah. So you uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Why are you out here doing they started it? gathering around you, huh? Well, tell tell the white they're, Denali they're, if something happens to me. You're in a white Denali. Uh, the lights and plate. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, I can't wait to go to Tad in Fifth City on February 15th. Our listeners can join me and Carla. Uh, we're going to have a pre-show hang and a post-show crucial conversation. And if you use the the discount code CARLA, all caps, C-A-R-L-A, you can get $10 off. We hope to see you. If you liked what you just heard from Oran, then we're going to go into O'Ron and Carla's world on February 15th. It's crazy. <laughs> right on, right on. And, uh, send all donations to P.O. Box numbers. I'm just joking. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for calling and spending this time with us. And I'll be talking to you soon. Great to meet you, brother. All right, you thank guys. you. Stay strong, Chicago. 
Bye. You, Carla, Carla said I would like O'Ron, and she knows what I like. I wish he was in the studio. Yeah, he was supposed to be here with us. He had a family emergency. He had to get back to the island. Um, but uh, uh, he will. He spends a lot of time here in the shy because we're still here, his artistic family and his real family. So um, we will uh, be seeing him soon. But yes, so if you are in um, Lincoln Park anytime before March 3rd on a Thursday through a Saturday, you can go to the Greenhouse Theater Center, 2257 North Lincoln Avenue, where you will be able to see Tad in Fifth City, produced by Impact Theater, which is in their 32nd year and um, uh, of production. So, you know. It's a bunch of theaters that have been around in Chicago for a really long time and um, are not um, the big guys, but they're doing amazing new work um, like collaboration and impact. So that's that. I have another little plug in the theater world. Our friends over at Non-Op Open Opera Works are presenting the commission responses to the Gettysburg Address. And uh, collaboration company member Willie Prince Rock Round, Cal Razen, AJ McLennan, and Janelle Davenport Pleasure are all in that piece. It'll be, there's two shows. One's February 17th at 7 p.m. at the Riva and David Logan Center for the Arts Penthouse, and then March 10th. 7.30 at Epiphany Center for the Arts. You can go to nonopera.org to get your tickets. And then um, and that's a Willie Round. That's double Emmy winner Willie Prince Rock yes. Round. And I also wanted to make sure people knew that uh, we have an amazing guest next week who herself is uh, quite a manifester of change Tanika Lewis-Johnson will be yes. joining us in the studio, the creator of the Folded Map Project and the um, the Contract House Project. Did you, did you, did you, have you heard what she's doing? Mm, loosely. She's raised the money to basically fix up the homes on one block on the south side in Englewood as an act of reparations. Do you know that is um, a lot of celebrities are starting to do the same thing? Um, is it Mike Epps just did it in his hometown? He bought a block and restored all the houses. Well, Tanika will be in here. She, you know, she's a photographer and uh, and and a really a social justice artist, and we're excited to have her. And then we'll have uh, DJ Lady D. Um, on February 24th. And if you want to look back and go to our podcasts, um, we've had some great shows lately. David Cherry, Vasil, Pugs Adams, um, and the Insurrection 30-year anniversary was a really great show. That was a good show. Oh, yeah. But thank you all so much. Yes. For joining, joining us again. Please come back the same bat time, same back channel next Saturday at... 
4 o'clock. And if you want to support Collaboration Radio, you can become a member of Collaboration or a Collaboractivist for as little as $1 a month to keep shows like this running. Or you can make a donation become an activist. of up to a trillion dollars. One trillion bones. We prefer cash or dimes to be specific so I could drop them. Go, Carla. Drop dimes? No, we don't do that here in the shy. We just give out peace. Tranquility. Yeah. I'm wearing my teal. No, this is just blue. But I have a teal purse, and that's tranquility too. Yeah. Thank you for joining. <laughs>